Hi, I'm Michael Stittle. And I'm Nick Nanos. Nick, I'm back. If you're wondering where I was, I was sitting in front of my computer on the Ontario Provincial Booking System, watching that little pixelated man slowly walk across the uh, screen. If you're not in Ontario, yeah, you probably have no idea what I'm talking about. Um, things are things are looking up, though, in this country. We're number one, I believe, in the world for first doses. And, uh, you know, now people like myself are fortunate enough to be booking uh, second dose appointments. Pretty remarkable. Well, hey, you're looking at booking your second. I still haven't booked my second because my vaccination was after my first vaccination was after uh, after May 2nd. But the other thing you forgot to mention is that Canada beat Haiti. Hmm. cap qualifier. So for all those soccer fans out there, they have to be very pleased and proud of how right. the men's team has done. So are we allowed to yeehaw Canada? I don't know. Anyways, does it's good it, news. Does this mean you think, or what, what are our chances in, in actually getting to the World Cup though, Nick? I'd like to save that for a future podcast. We, we can yeah. calculate, we can do like the uh, Nick the Greek odds on uh, Canada <laughs> qualifying for the World <laughs> Cup. And winning, but I think it's yeah. excellent that they've uh, made it to this phase. Yeah. They haven't been this far in a while. It's just yeah. uh, it's positive news. right? Let's Congratulations are in order. Um, so on this show, we're going to talk about uh, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau at the G7. We're going to look at uh, uh, vaccinated students and unvaccinated students. Uh, and we're also going to look at uh, kind of the push and pull over, over the U.S.-Canada border. Uh, but first, Nick, let's spend five minutes on politics. Uh, where the big story uh, in the last you know few days is Annamie Paul, Green Party leader Annamie Paul, narrowly avoided uh, a potential leadership uh, threat. So, uh, what what do you make of this? Well, I think a lot of Canadians were thinking of the exact same thing. What what is going on? I think for average Canadians, they think of the Green Party and they think of nice people that are very earnest that are not uh, into the usual type of politics. They're very positive. But what we saw this past week was a bit of ugliness in the internal politics of the Green Party of Canada. There's a controversy related to the position of the, of the leader on, uh, on the whole issue of Israel and Palestine and, and a tweet that was made by a former staffer. And as a result, the leader was uh, called in for a potential leadership review vote. And I think for a lot of Canadians, this is a big head scratcher and probably disappointing. And I can't see how enemy Paul, how this is good news for enemy Paul or for the Green Party of Canada because but one out of every three Canadians would be open to voting green. And I'm sure they're wondering what's happened this week and whether the, uh, the Green Tribe, mm. how divided it is and how much are they behind their new leader? So uh, enemy Paul hasn't even had to face an election yet. And, and this is sort of spilling into the public uh, realm. Um, how does, how does this, how does she recover from this? Uh, well, I think the best way to recover is through her performance as the leader of the party and to get into the election, to perform well, to engage Canadians, to focus on environmental issues. You know, the other thing that's kind of weird about all of this is that it's on an issue that's unrelated to the environment. Like you'd figure, They'd want to turf a leader that was not on the same page, maybe not going far enough or being mm -hmm. too ambitious on the environment. But this has to do with foreign policy. And uh, Michael, I don't know if this is a spoiler alert. Foreign policy is almost never a key factor in an election, except when it's related to jobs like the free trade. So Canadians are interested in issues that touch their day-to-day -day lives, healthcare, jobs in the economy, the environment now. So to 
you know, for the Green Party leadership to undermine their leader on a non-core issue to Canadians and also uh, an issue that is not really a big part of why people vote for the Green Party is, I think, unfortunate for the Greens and, and could affect their electoral fortunes depending on what happens. So Nick, uh, enemy Paul may get to prove herself uh, and her leadership qualities in, in a potential fall election. I mean, that's what we keep hearing. How do uh, Canadians feel about that, about a fall election? When we ask Canadians about how they feel about a, a fall election, it's like 49-44. 49% or almost one out of every two are, uh, are opposed to or somewhat opposed to an election and 44% are are okay with an election this coming fall. And I actually think that 44% number is quite high uh, because I think for a lot of Canadians, their default position is not to have a federal election and not to be very enthusiastic about a federal election. So to say that no one wants an election would be wrong, that a significant proportion are open. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that we're doing better on the vaccinations. It looks like we're over the hump and that we might get to some sort of quasi normal this fall. Hmm. Um, what is another reason why the Liberals might push for a federal election? I'm, I'm specifically thinking about the CRB. Yes, the checks, those juicy checks that are going out to Canadians and Canadian right. surprises. There's an interesting date. If you look at the, the budget implementation bill, Hmm. Also include it, it includes the provision to extend uh, the support that the government is pushing out the door and that is being extended to let's all drill this into our head September 25th Canadians listeners viewers if you're receiving your serve checks write that in your calendar because that's probably the last time that you will receive a serve check and part of the popular wisdom is that with more and more Canadians getting vaccinated, with more and more Canadians getting their second dose, with Canadians starting to normalize things, that perhaps the Liberals might think that it would be good for them, let's set aside the country, but it'd be good for them to have an election while the stimulus is still going out the door and there'll be, I don't know, we're gonna call it the vaccination halo, vaccination honeymoon, I don't know, vaccination warm fuzzy feeling, <laughs> right? And that, that sounds uh, good. And the liberals go for that early window before the cuts check off, the, the checks are cut off mm. and that Canadians start worrying about what kind of jobs they might have uh, now that they're no longer receiving stimulus checks. Uh, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau also uh, went to Europe uh, he, for an in-person G7 summit um, and he got to appear very statesmanlike. He was doing small talk with the Queen uh, and US President Joe Biden. How does that play uh, back at home? How does that benefit the Liberals? Well, it's, it's pretty traditional for many sitting Prime Ministers when they think there might be an election to do foreign trips, to look statesmanlike, to look like a player on the global scene, you know, just thinking, you know, taking selfies with other politicians, mm -hmm. trying to show that uh, we're a force for good in the world and that Canada is relevant. And so it's not a big surprise. It's just another, I guess, Michael, we'll, we'll start to stack up all these things, right? Like the CERB checks, the vaccinations, the foreign trips as to kind of laying the foundation for a possible fall election that the liberals might want whether the opposition parties give them the election, completely different story, Michael. Hmm. 
Um, so Trudeau got to meet U.S. President Joe Biden, uh, although it's not that big a deal because we are neighbors. But speaking of that, um, I want to get into the the U.S.-Canada border. Um, what is the situation there now? How how what's the political pressure like for Trudeau to reopen it? Well, we know, Michael, from the polling that we've done since the beginning of the pandemic is that Canadians overwhelmingly wanted to close or keep the border with the United States closed to non-essential traffic. Those numbers went anywhere from 75 to 80%. And they were exceptionally strong when the pandemic was ravaging through the United States, it looked even worse than what it was in Canada. Fast forward now, in a recent survey that we just completed for Bloomberg News, about 45% of Canadians are comfortable or somewhat comfortable in opening the border to traffic with the United States, even non-essential traffic. And so what we're seeing is a bit of a thaw hmm. um, on uh, what I'll say uh, the border freeze, so to speak. But there's a little bit of a proviso on that number that when we talk about the border to countries with borders, countries other than the United States, that level of comfort drops from about 45% to 29%. So Canadians are more comfortable in opening up the border with the United States, but are still quite leery of opening up the border to countries other than the United States. Hmm. Uh, Nick, I think we're gonna take a quick break now, but when we're back, we'll discuss uh, students vaccinated and unvaccinated returning to school. And we're back. Uh, Nick, you did a survey uh, recently on how Canadians feel about students who are unvaccinated returning to school. Why don't you talk about that? Well, you know, Michael, for a lot of Canadian parents, it's been a bit of a seesaw over the last year. It's like kids are going to school, then they're, then they're doing uh, remote learning, and then they're doing hybrid learning. And, and almost month to month, the, the provincial governments are adjusting, changing, recalibrating the rules on whether kids can go to school in person or not. Right now, there's a little bit of a sigh of relief that the school year is ending and the vaccinations are in full swing, but we wanted to do a survey and we did it with our CTV's PowerPlay on how Canadians felt about students that choose not to get vaccinated attending school in person. And what we found was that about 59% of Canadians or six out of every 10 Canadians are opposed or somewhat opposed to unvaccinated children showing up for in-person in person learning. So how about if we say awkward, things will be <laughs> awkward in the fall as parents and students worry about others that might not be vaccinated. I mean, you at the start of the show, you, you talked about the, 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 what did you call it? The vaccine, not honeymoon, the vaccine well, warm and fuzzy hello. feelings. Yeah, it's kind of like the hello, all that kind of stuff. Right, so is, is this kind of ending then? I mean, you know, schools aside, we're also seeing things where employers can legally expect um, their employees to be vaccinated uh, if they want to return to work. I mean, uh, or even crossing the border into the States, you might have to have an, an FDA approved uh, vaccine, which could be an issue for us with an AstraZeneca dose. Well, the, um, yeah. The school, this, this schooling stuff, Michael, it could be kind of the thin edge of the wedge, which will open up a broader conversation because then it will get into, should teachers, should there be mandatory vaccination for teachers? Once you start to talk about that, now we're talking about the workplace. I mean, there was a, a recent court decision in, uh, in the United States, in the state of Texas, 
that allowed uh, one of the hospitals, the big Methodist hospital in, in Texas to uh, suspend 168 healthcare workers because they did not get vaccinated. Mm. And this is gonna be the new front, this is gonna be the new front line on all of this stuff. And we should be expecting employers for new hires at least, who knows, they might have things in the employment contract related to vaccinations and what the vaccination policy might have. Mm. It's gonna be, it's gonna be kind of like, Michael, it's gonna be like, like the swamp in Vietnam, right? It's, people are gonna be going in and then it's like, oh my goodness, this is much more complicated than we thought. Yeah. It's going to be much more difficult to win. This is going to be very awkward. And uh, I think I think it's going to be the new the new battle line. Now, the good news is hopefully the pandemic will be under control. The mm. bad news is, is that we have to get to what will the rules be for people coming back to work, whether it's part-time or full-time and how telework factors. I wonder, and, and as you said, I mean, the swamp analogy that if potentially we're getting, you know, yearly booster shots for, for different uh, variants, th this issue could go on for, for years, potentially. Absolutely. And I, I'd like to declare a conflict of interest. I have no problems in being a human pincushion if it, if it uh, <laughs> keeps my family safe. I know that's yeah, not everybody's cup of tea, but yeah, I think this is going to be a, a recurring issue. And, you know, for schools, there's already mandatory vaccinations for the stuff you know, mumps, measles, rubella, all that, all that tetanus, all that kind of stuff. Hmm. And, uh, and what, what we need is some clarity from a public health perspective, beyond saying, you know, everyone should get vaccinated, there needs to be some clarity under what conditions is it necessary to get vaccinated. And, you know, we may, we may grow up in a world depending on how things pan out, where if you don't get vaccinated, it might mean that it'll, there'll be more difficulty for you to travel, mm -hmm. might be more difficult for you to watch large sporting events or go to your local theater who knows uh where this could end and i think that's why people are so passionate on both sides of the equation about this uh about this topic hmm. uh nick now what's your upshot of of this episode what, what's your major takeaway uh maybe we can use a uh, weather analogy uh currently sunny weather <laughs> storm clouds on the horizon it could be <laughs> You know, to, to the point that you made, Michael, we should be mm. very happy with the fact that more and more Canadians are getting vaccinated, that people are now getting their second vaccinations. Mm -hmm. So I think we could rightly say, because according to StatsCan, more than 70% of Canadians have received a vaccination, that the vaccination will be a success to one extent or another. But the storm on the horizon will be returning to work whether vaccines are mandatory or not, under what conditions they're mandatory, and how this could be very divisive, even within families and between family members and between coworkers and stuff like that. You know, if someone uh, believes in vaccines and a coworker is vaccine hesitant, how do you work that out? I don't know. I just don't know. Uh, Nick, as always, thanks very much. Thank you. And where can we find you? On Twitter at Nick NIK Nanos or to get those oodles of stats, www.nanos.co. And I'm also on Twitter at Michael Siddle, and you can also find more information on what Nick and I have discussed at ctvnews.ca. Thanks for listening. <laughs>